Hello, hello. Welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker. get to interview my third author. And guys, I love authors because it forces me to actually read a book. Neil Patel is a screenwriter and author who grew up in Champaign, Illinois, and currently lives in LA where he writes for TV and film. His first book, If You See Me, Don't Say Hi, is a New York Times book review editor's choice, an NPR best book of 2018, and has been optioned for television, which we talk all about. His writing has appeared in El India, The Paris Review, on BuzzFeed.com, and many more. I chat with him about his debut novel, Tell Me How to Be, which I found out about after Lily Singh gave him a shout-out on her platform, Lily's Library. It focuses on a mother-son relationship, Indian-American stereotypes, there's many, and has the best guju phrases sprinkled in throughout the book. I mean, what else do you want? No, seriously, guys, I hardly read books, mainly because I'm podcasting or, you know, listening to other podcasts and also trying to raise little humans on the side. But this was such a smooth, easy, and relevant read. I had the best time talking to him. And usually, like, I have an outline of questions that I follow it was kind of thrown out because we honestly really got into our conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy my interview with Neil Patel. Okay, so growing up, I have to ask, typical Indian household, mom and dad, kind of conservative, like, did you hang out with the Indian community? Like, what was it like growing up? So it was interesting. My parents are actually like not super conservative. So we kind of had a mix, like we would hang out with Indians some weekends and then like we'd be like eating dinner at like a white person's house, like, and they'd be saying grace and I'd be like, uh, what do I do? And then <laughs> I'd be like trying to bust out the hot sauce. Like when I eat <laughs> Taco Bell packets, right? Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. Okay. So like my parents, I think because they're both the youngest in their respective families and they didn't really live in India. My mom lived in East Africa and then moved to UK and she was like 16 living in London. So like they were always like, like they like to drink and they eat meat. And so we, I know like in our Indian community, all the Indian kids were like, Oh my God, your parents are so cool. Cause like, like my parents knew I drank before I was 21 and all that. They didn't care as long as I wasn't driving, you know? Right. But we had like a mix. So we, Sometimes, but as we got older, I realized we started to spend more and more time with Indian people. Cause like, I think my parents just, my mom specifically just felt more connected with like Indian aunties. Um, so it just, it's not the same, you know? So, so did you grow up, uh, with the, I mean, this is, and this is again, I feel like a Gen X thing for sure, which you're pretty close to with the whole, you must be doctor, lawyer, engineer talk. If so, was that something you wanted to do or, or was writing, screenwriting, becoming an author always kind of on your mind? Yeah. Um, my parents, they never specific, they, they, to this day, they're like, we never told you you had to be a doctor and they didn't really, but my dad was a doctor and a lot of their friends were doctors and definitely all their friends, kids, whether they were doctors or not, their kids were wanting to become doctors. Right. So, or engineers or what have you. And so 
Um, it was definitely, they didn't have to say it. I just internalized it because I was like, okay, this is what everybody's doing. Right. And, you know, it's kind of like, there were no Mindy Kalings or Hassan Minhajs or anybody doing anything different to like be like, oh, well, you actually can be successful. And because I think every immigrant parent wants their children to be successful, right? That was the whole point of coming here. So you don't really get to fail. So there was that pressure, even though they didn't tell me, I just had to look around. Right. So I was pre-dental in college. (laughs) (laughs) That's so random. (laughs) Yeah. And the reason I was, was because we knew people who were dentists. Actually, they were in California and they did really well. And so it's like, oh, okay, well, you could be a dentist and do just as well. And it's less, you know, training. And um, so I just was like, oh, well, I'll just do that. And I remember my counselor even like telling me, he's like, well, your science grades in high school weren't the best. Like, are you sure you want to, are you sure you want to do this? I was like, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I I, I was that Indian kid where I wasn't really that great at math. Oh my God. I love you already. We're, we're, we're brother, sister. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm like one of the few people that was like math and science. Like I got to see an organic chem my freshman year at UT. And I think my parents were like, oh, (laughs) Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no bueno, dude. Yeah. 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 And then you always feel embarrassed. Like, I remember I was in a calc class or something in college, and the TA was South Asian, and she was handing back our tests. And I'm pretty sure I got like a D, and I was just so embarrassed because she was Indian. Because I was like, this girl probably is thinking, what is wrong with you? <laughs> totally. I say math. I actually still have nightmares at 41 about all the tests I failed in math. Like it was, I was, I hated it so much. In fact, to the point, Neil, where I am, my daughter is eight, by the way, eight and five, where I'm like hammering my daughter a little too much about math because I can tell she doesn't like it. And I don't want her to suffer. I don't want her to do anything in it, but I want her to at least get through it. Yeah. And so I don't want her to, I I felt the same way. Like all the other Indians were doing so well. I'm like, something wrong with me? Like, I don't know. Did, totally. did you have to do Kumon when you were a kid? Do you know what Kumon is? I did. I don't know if there was Kumon. Maybe there was, but my parents never. No. You know who my, what my Kumon was? My dad. <laughs> my Kemi. Yeah, my Kemi IIT dad was, <laughs> and it was literally, it was a fight every day. And then, of course, my older brothers, he went to, he, he was undergrad in engineering and then went to med school. Yeah. Oh, God, he did everything. <laughs> yeah, right. And at that point, you know, again, like, I'm sure like you, like, that's all you can, like the dentist thing, right? Like, for me, I was like, oh, I'll become a, like a physical therapist because it's not as much studying, but like, it's kind of, you know, safe. So I was exactly what you're thinking. I actually thought about that path and I didn't even want to do it. So anyways, continue. So yeah. You were saying, and you you were getting uh, feedback, or not? The TA gave you, yeah. Back and, and, and I just, um, and it wasn't working for me. And then actually, I'm a really bad Indian, <laughs> and I can talk about this, and we can all laugh about it now, in my family. But like, I actually flunked out of college, and I didn't tell them for like a while. <laughs> That's scary, though. It's scary to tell them. It is scary, and like, um, I, I flunked because I just I didn't realize this, but I was like depressed in college, but I didn't know what depression was. I just knew I couldn't get out of bed. So sometimes I wouldn't get about out of bed till 4 p.m. and I've missed all my classes. Wow. And I didn't know what we weren't having these conversations. What is depression? You know, we weren't, you know, prioritizing mental health back then. And so like I just thought I was lazy. 
So how do you tell your immigrant parents who are paying your tuition that you're, that you're lazy or like you can't get a bed? They'd be like, no, you get out of bed. Like, right, right. Go to class, you know, but I didn't have the, I didn't know what that was. It's weird. Like now, so many years later, I look back and I was like, oh, that's depression. Like you didn't have the language. I didn't. In fact, I once had to like, cause I wasn't going to class for a while. And so like you had an option where you could drop all your classes and not have it, but you have to have a reason. So I like lied to like, I had to go to like the school and lie. And this is so bad. But I said some like relative who'd already passed away, passed away. Hey, like, already passed away. Yeah. But like, I'm just like thinking, wow, if I'm having to resurrect people from the dead and then kill them again, just because I can't, because I didn't know that I could have just said, oh, I'm depressed. But I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't. No, of course not. It wasn't something that you even heard people doing. And it would be like, it's super scary. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So then what happened? So then, I mean, eventually they found out. They're like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I want to be a writer. And they were just like, okay. My dad was actually like supportive in the sense that he, he's, he does have like an artistic streak in him. Okay. Um, my mom was like, no, you need to go back to school. And then I just kind of like bounced around between like different jobs in Chicago. And I was just like, I was working at the Nordstrom women's shoe department, which was like, I was making bank. Like, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> on I'm Michigan sure. Avenue. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause you get like 10% commission. So <laughs> I, well, by the way, I love Chicago. I went to law school. I, I ended up going to law school, by the way. Oh, oh, cool. Oh, wow. Um, cause I knew at least I liked the reading writing part of my brain way more. Um, love Chicago, have been to that Nordstrom. So totally get the commission. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. So wait, so then you knew uh, during college years-ish that you wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I okay. knew when I read um, The Namesake by Jhumpa Lahiri, um, which is an incredible book, and she's such a great writer. And um, it was the first time I'd read a book by a South Asian person writing about life in America. Like, in most of the books were taking place in India or they were like through the lens of someone who had just come here. But in the namesake, this was, this was, you know, this sort of first generation. I, I never know for first generation or second generation. I always say first generation born. Yeah. First generation. Right. Yeah. Technically so we are. We are. I don't know why people, anyway, that's a whole other thing, but um, <laughs> she, it we're was, claiming yeah, it I, right I, now, Neil, we're first generation. Yes. Sorry. First generation. Yes. Yeah. We're the first. Yeah. So, come on. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and she was such a phenomenal writer and it just, it, it made it seem possible. Like, oh, wow, somebody can actually do this, right. you know? Right. Um, and then I just started trying it myself and I didn't realize it'd take me so long, but <laughs> I had this like very naive idea that I was going to like write a book and sell it in a year and like become a big star. <laughs> well, youth can do that to you. Um, but I think from just my own experience and other friends that write writing is like insanely hard to do like people think anyone can can be a writer false it takes more than just knowing how to write for sure so yeah i'm not i mean like yeah it takes time so don't yeah go ahead yeah so no it, it does take time and um it's constantly rewriting and, and pushing yourself to be better and better and fi- also just finding your own voice. And like right. for a while, I was just trying to be just like Jhumpa Lahiri. And it's like, no, you can't be her. There already is a Jhumpa Lahiri. You have to find out who you are, you know, who is Neil Patel. And so that took a while. And it wasn't really until I think I moved to LA where things sort of started to come together for me. Okay. And I moved here about seven years ago. And something about leaving, because prior to that, I'd only been in the Midwest and only really in Illinois. So something about like leaving it all behind 
gave me this ability to write about it in a different way. Different lens. Outside, kind of an outside perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So tell me about that. Like your move to LA, what pushed you to get out there? And then of course, you know, for those of us that have never lived in LA, I always have assume that people that go there for, you know, to make it in whatever industry, focusing on the arts, there's always some fun kind of Hollywood stories you can kind of share about, you know, working crappy jobs or whatever it is. Did you have any of that going on? Yes, I did. So I moved to LA because I knew that if I wanted to do something kind of different with my life, it was, I was probably going to either have to go to New York or LA and the publishing industry is actually in New York. I didn't actually know that I wanted to do screenwriting at that time, but I just knew that I couldn't live in New York. It gives me anxiety. It's like everyone's living on top of each other and yeah. it's too big. Yeah. I, no, I totally get I'm, I love New York. I'm a, I, I'm a East, prefer the East Coast, but I've never lived in California. So I'll tell you right now, I live in Connecticut, which is like 45 minutes right outside. And for me, it's a perfect combination because I get anxious too. So I can go into New York, you know, do my thing and then I can get out. Yeah. So I, tol- yeah. I totally get it. Yeah. 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 So I, so then I visited my friend in LA who was out here pursuing acting and I just had this like, I had this like moment where I just looked around. I, we were at like a bar in West Hollywood, of course. And um, I just looked around and there's like, it's so like diverse and it's so queer. And I was like, I belong here. Like I, you know, it was like the stork dropped me off in the wrong place. And like, finally I'm coming home. And I was like, I just feel so comfortable here. But also I feel like things are possible. here. Right. Things happen in LA. Right. Like amazing things happen. The energy matters. It matters. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Just being here and absorbing it and seeing other people do it makes you feel like you can do it. So um, that's, I knew that I had to do that. And so I moved. um, And then, yeah, things just started to happen. I started publishing stories in little journals here and there. And then I got like a literary agent and then she sold, we did like a two book deal and tell me how to be was a part of that. And then like suddenly these TV, TV agents are approaching me and they're like, Oh, we think you'd be great for writing TV. And next step. Yeah. And so then my book, my first book option, I got to develop that as a script for AMC. And so it kind of like ignited in me this desire to do TV as well. And it's the perfect place to be LA. So. Well, that's amazing. Look, I think obviously, you know, there is luck to it, but if you're not good at what you do at the end of the day, like it's hard to make it right. So congrats. Mm -hmm. That's huge. That's amazing. Um, And and before I, obviously we're going to get into the books, but before we do, a lot of people, younger kids, want to follow suit, move to LA, to New York to do these things now. More and more Indian American kids. Advice? Um, yeah, I guess don't be afraid and do it, but also have like some kind of plan in place. So, you know, like it always helps as a South Asian kid, like to get your parents on board. <laughs> Because Indian parents are definitely, like, I'll admit, like, I didn't have the typical, I got to struggle, you know, yep. I did have to struggle, but I knew that my parents were going to help me. Like, right. I was never going to go homeless. I was never going to have to worry about rent. I, it's such an icky thing to talk about, but it's real. It's real. And yeah. I'm glad you're saying these, that. Right. Yeah. I mean, most of these South Asian people who are doing well now, like, they have parents who can help them. And it's not the same thing for, you know, other people. And so I will admit that, like, I had that privilege. Yes, I did get a job. I did because I didn't want them to totally, like, help me. So, like, I was working as an, uh, I was working 
as a receptionist in an accounting office during tax season. And that was the worst <laughs> decision I ever made in my life. I was like, I was just about to ask you your crappiest job, but I think you just said it. No, that was, it was so bad that like, I was having so much anxiety that I was like drinking during my lunch break. <laughs> there, was, <laughs> there was like a Thai restaurant down the street and I would go there and I'd have like a salad and some chicken. And I'm like, oh, and I'll just have a Chardonnay, please. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I would come back to work all relaxed. Like, oh, hey. <laughs> You're like taxes. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. And then it was just so stressful. And the, my boss was so, like he had a really bad temper and he never took it out on me because I was still new but I saw him yell at like some another woman who worked with me and like bang his fist against the table and get all red and I was like oh I cannot do this oh no homie uh-uh. so I had to like quit and I quit in the funniest way um because I didn't even want to give them two two weeks notice because I was terrified and I was like I can't quit in the middle of tax season he's gonna yell at me so I came in the early, because they knew I was Indian. They knew a little bit about my parents. So I leaned into that and I wrote a letter and I said, my parents are very unhappy with my lifestyle in LA. Because I also figured they probably knew I was gay, but they never asked me. And I was like, they are taking me back home. I have no choice. I'm so sorry. And I left my key and I just got out of there. <laughs> but first of all, I love that. Second of all, I don't think people in LA even ask any if who's gay and who's not, right? It's not even a right. thing. I mean, yeah, LA and New York. And then third, I was about to ask if you resurrected your relative again. Oh, no, I couldn't. I, by that point, I was like, this person's been dead and <laughs> resurrected and dead too many times. <laughs> They're poor spirit. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> is, this, is this a kaki or a mommy or like a... I think it was some distant, like, yeah, like uncle who I didn't even really know. Oh, good. That's better. But I just lied. And I was like, oh, we had such a close relationship. And yeah. 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 I, I definitely <laughs> have a few, uh, my mom's like cousins that I've never met that live in like Dwarka and stuff like that that I could use at some points that if yeah. I needed to so you always have that always have that in your back pocket you know yeah 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 totally okay so tell me how to be is technically considered your debut novel is that correct is that the yes. cor correct language because yes. your first book uh if you see me don't say hi which I love uh is is short stories right like 11 kind of short stories about first generation Indian Americans and about stereotypes Yes. Okay. So that that's kind of your first book, right? Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. That came out 2018. Yes. 2018. And it was it got the NPR Best Book Award, the New York Times Book Review Editor's Choice. Fancy, Neil. That's awesome. And then option for TV. So can you tell me a little bit about what's going on with the AMC show and how it's getting put together? Yeah, we developed it. Um, I took one of the stories and kind of like built a show around it. Okay. And they, the executives um, or like the upper level people at AMC, they liked it and they're like, we like this, but this isn't an AMC show. And I'm like, yeah, it's not because they do like Breaking Bad and like The Walking Dead. And yeah. I was even thinking like, why do they want me to do this? But I was like, hey, they're paying me. I'm not going <laughs> to. Whatever. Totally. Um, so we, yeah, we, it didn't really go. It didn't really land beyond that. Okay. Um, it's still like somewhere in the back of my mind, but I think I've kind of just moved on creatively from that project and now i want to do more kind of genre bending things and awesome. i love i love a good serial killer story and so. oh my god <laughs> can i just tell you neil i am like and i think it's i've discovered this is a lot of women i am i'm a podcaster so i i listen to podcasts all day long but i'm i mean true crime podcast it's a problem like it's a problem because i already have problems sleeping as a mother i just don't sleep well i'm always worried about something 
And then for some jackass reason, I put on the true crime podcast that night before I'm sleeping. I don't know why. I, I just, <laughs> what's the word? Masochist? Is that, is that yeah, what masochist. I am? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's me. Um, yeah. But any serial killer thing, true crime thing, it just does well. Yeah. Right. Do you like it because you like the genre or is there a story? I think it's both. I think it's like, it, it, it's, it's suspenseful. It's scary. It's dark. Who doesn't like all those things? But like, also I think it like, it's good to know that like there are people who are like way more messed up than you are. I think that's and... what it is. Seriously, you're like, oh, well, wait, or I'm like normal. just way worse than you are, like doing worse things. Like, okay, well, at least I'm not doing that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I lied about finishing college, but that <laughs> fails in comparison to being a serial killer. So totally, <laughs> flunk out college, resurrect your relative, or kill someone. Oh yeah, I do. I did kill a lot of people who are already dead, but. <laughs> That should be like a, like you could do that, a, a comedy thriller thing. What was that Kristen Bell Netflix show? Oh, I, I liked that. A I liked it too. Dragging it, but I liked it. I Dude, it, it was it so smart. It, it was so yeah. smart. I thought it was smart. And it I like good. her. And yeah, her husband's like my favorite podcaster of all time. So throwing it out there. Um, so amazing. So we will get to see something on AMC. Sorry, going back to that. Is that coming out or uh, no, no, no. We, we kind of like okay, build it right. after that. And but I am working on like other like I'm developing my second book right now. It's in the very early stages, but um I'm working with some producers right now to develop that. Awesome. I can see I mean I haven't read if you say if you see me, don't say hi yet, but like it could feels like it could be like a Netflix series or something something yeah, yeah. no yeah yeah maybe yeah. i like it um okay tell me how to be i'm totally guessing here um but pulling out what you said at the beginning of the interview feels like some of this maybe some of the book maybe coming from your own life maybe your mom uh who seems like she could possibly be renu considering you know from africa london um so first question after writing your first book, how hard was it to write this? Was it, is it like when you write something and it's successful, isn't it scary to write the second book? It is. Um, it was also just at the time I was doing other things like with in TV and film. And so the weird thing is when I wrote, if you see me, don't say I, I didn't have a contract. So I was just doing it for me. I didn't even know if it would be a book or not. So with the second book, it's different because there's expectations it's already sold. So you have deadlines. So like people are waiting for it. So I had like, you know, the book was supposed to have come out like probably two years ago, but like, I just kept, you know, not doing it. <laughs> and, you know, sending emails to my agent, my, Oh, it's coming, it's coming. And I hadn't, I remember I did this for the first draft of the book, because by that point, they're like, okay, we really need to see something. Um, Otherwise, give us back our money. Um, <laughs> I literally, it felt like I was in college when you have to pull those all-nighters. I, like, went to, like, the business lounge in my apartment building, and I just stayed up, like, two days in a row <laughs> writing this completely, like, unhinged, like, I don't even know what it was, and I just sent it just so they would see something. that I was doing something. Right. But then what happened was I went home to Illinois. Um, this was actually just before COVID. Um, so this is like January of 2020. Right. It's crazy that it's already been like I know. two years. But, uh, it's all blur. I know, right? And Seriously. so I went home and something about, this was when my parents were still in Illinois, and something about being back in Illinois now and just confronting all these memories and, and just being in that town. And um, it just kind of, I don't know, it just, it 
put me in the mindset to write this story, which you're right, is inspired by a lot of things I experienced. Okay. So quickly, I'm not going to obviously talk about the whole book. And by the way, I got to tell you, Neil, I hardly read books anymore just because mama of two, I just don't, I just, I can't, I have no, I have like, I hardly read too. (laughs) Yeah. And so the fact that I could read your book, I was like, even my kids were like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm reading a book. Like I know mama (laughs) doesn't do this. Um, but it was such a, like a easy, like just a good read, like an easy, fun read, you know? And also obviously I'm Gujarati, you know, we were kind of born at the same time. So for me, it was just really relatable. Um, and I can relate with both Akash, Ranu. I mean, obviously in like my eight year old was like next to me kind of looking at the pages and she was like, Barth, that's daddy. I'm like, yeah, daddy's famous now. He's he's in the book. Um, Okay, so quick two-line summary, because obviously people can Google this. Akash is and Renu are the two main characters. Akash is the son. Renu is the mom. Akash is in L.A. trying to start his music songwriting career and trying to commit to his boyfriend. And then Renu, his mom, uh, is selling the family home because uh, her husband, Akash's father, has passed. Uh, and she wants him to come back, you know, say goodbye to the, the family house. Uh, the puja for the for the father, the one year puja was happening, and then also uh, he was going to see his brother again after a uh, I guess contentious relationship with him. Uh, again, won't give it all away. So he's basically coming back. Akash is coming back home to Illinois to kind of confront his past in a way, and then also, which is the beautiful part of it of this story that I liked, was that the mother also had a past which is super interesting because you never really hear about the Indian mom having any kind of past, right? Right, I know. That's like never allowed, right? Yeah, exactly. Like she was a character and she was funny and she was angry and she had feelings. And I just, I love that you added that. And I love that you made the story about a mother and son versus like, usually it's like father and son, typically with Indian stories, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so back to the question of, how much of this was kind of reflective of your life and what you've been through? Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of it was inspired by my experience. Um, I went in thinking of Rainu's character. You're right. Our mothers, we don't know what their past was. Like I always hear all these stories about my dad, like especially from his friends or his brothers. Like, like I know that he streaked across campus in med school I know that he was a daredevil. If you dared him to, I know that he had like a Muslim girlfriend when he was in med school. That's see, these and, are big deals. Like, yeah, yeah. there was a big deal. And actually, surprisingly, like my ba was okay with that. Like, she was okay with him potentially married. They didn't work out in the end. But like, I know all these things about my dad. I don't know anything about my mom. And like, we used to ask, like, what did you do that was bad? And she'd be like, Oh, I would eat candy when I wasn't supposed to. And I'm like, Oh, please. And then like my masis told me that like. There was some man, my mom will kill me if I'm telling the story, but she, <laughs> there was apparently some man who used to visit her on a motorcycle. Like she would be standing on the balcony and he'd be on his motorcycle talking to her. And my mom vehemently denies this. And she's like, there was no man. There was no motorcycle. They're just lying. But I think what it shows is that like, especially in that generation and even today, women are not allowed to have indiscretions. Mm-hmm. Men are. Mm-hmm. And it's a big joke and it's boys will be boys and haha, but women can't. Right. And, and that's what I was thinking about when I wrote this character is what is that like to have to repress who you are and to have to put on this show for people, you know? 
Right. I yeah, I love that. Cause I'm like, this is, it reminds, it's going to, it reminds me of who I will be in 20 years and how, you know, I think there is this weird fine line, you know, obviously we're a different generation, but like, I think about how much will I tell my daughters about my past? Cause we all have past, obviously growing up, especially growing up here. Um, and I want to be as honest as possible. Right. And I kind of see when I was reading about her, every time she was talking in the book, it goes back and forth between Akash and Renu. I would, I would, a lot of what she was saying and how she was feeling was is something that I feel like I would go through at my age and my generation, even growing up here. So I love that you had, for me, Akash is super cool character as well, but I related to her a lot and I just found her unique, I think. And so that was really, that was really cool. Um, I, I, I wanted to ask, and Ian, if you don't want to talk about it, it's totally fine. You know, Akash in this story is, is gay and he hasn't told his mom. Uh, yet or his brother um did you have your own coming out story and was it similar yeah yeah um i also like waited a while like i came out to my friends before anyone else um just because it was easier it was this like you know they get it in a way that our parents you know didn't get it at that time um and some still don't unfortunately but they got it at least and so i, I came out to them and then my coming out story is kind of like less than desirable because I just, I don't know. I got to a point where it, it was less about, oh, I think they're going to disown me or they're going to have an issue with it. And more just like, I don't want to have the conversation. It's just uncomfortable. It's a totally. lot of work. Yeah. It's just like, I don't want to do it. I just want to live my life and just, I don't have anyone either. Like if I had a boyfriend that I was hiding from them, that'd be one thing. Right. You know, because then it's like affecting him too. But I didn't have that. So it's really just like sex. And then who wants to talk about their sex lives with their parents anyway no one we never <laughs> no one. Yeah. i wasn't right? allowed to no. date till i got married so it's fine yeah so like it was just i guess it was just like i didn't feel the need but then it just happened for me which is to say that when my first book came out um there were queer stories in that book but i i guess they still didn't like it didn't register but it was like maybe a few months after that book came out i did an interview that i didn't think anyone would see and I was very candid about my sexuality and I didn't realize my dad was like every now and then Googling my name because he was excited Aww. and he found, he found the, the, the article and I get a call at 1030 at night. And you know, when you get a call at 1030 at night, it's either because something bad happened or you did something bad. Uh -huh. so, <laughs> mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, what's going on? And so they, he was like, you know, is this true? And I was like, yeah. And the first thing he said was, okay, well, that's okay. You know, we love you. And then the first thing my mom says in the background is, who else knows? <laughs> or, or she's like, ja, ja, ave. <laughs> yeah, ja, ja, ave, yeah. Because, you know, and then she had to be, she had to go into PR, you know, because Indian aunties are the PR people for their families, right? They got to they gotta figure out how am I going to spin this? Like, you know. <laughs> totally. They have their like 100 person WhatsApp groups, like different yes. ones. Like they have to figure out what to do with all that. Yeah. I yeah, know. Exactly. So, but they were fine. And it was more me. Like I felt... Because then after I talked to them, I immediately called my sister and I started crying because I was like, I feel bad that I have to be that kid for them. Like, I feel bad that I have to, it's bad enough. I didn't finish college. I went a different, in a different direction with my life. And now I'm, you know, to add gay on top of that, like, I feel bad that I have to be this big explanation for them, for the rest of their community. Right. Um, and my sister was like, that's not your fault. And that's not your problem. And if other people have a problem with it, that's their problem. And then we don't need to associate with them. And so, um, and you know, nobody really, I'm fortunate. No one really 
did, or they're just talking about us behind them. <laughs> Probably one or the other. But I think Neil, yeah. at the end of the day, and I, you know this, I don't, I don't have to tell you, but like the way that you feel what you just said is, it's more, it's more internalized for you. Everyone, most 95, 99% of the people on the outside aren't even thinking that way. Right. Um, and I think I understand why you feel that way just because of how, you know, we grew up in the communities, blah, blah, blah. But I, you know, this, like, it's just, it's, it's kind of coming from within, from you're, you're feeling guilty for whatever reason. Um, but no one else, like it's, it, most people don't care Yeah, in, in a good way. Meaning like it's, yeah. it's, I think people are less judgy than we think at, at the end of yeah. the day. Yeah. I think if you're like, if you, it's one of those things where you think, people are going to react a certain way. So you bottle up, but then once it's out, you realize that they didn't actually, they, yeah. When you're honest with someone about who you are, who, who's really going to judge you for that? You know, right. it's when you like, when you hide it really, it, or like, when you yeah, like, don't hide it, right. Then there are always the questions and the, you know, but when you're honest and you own something, I mean, what can you really say to that? It's so. always better just to let it out. And then, then people can't really talk shit anymore. Like whatever. It's just like, Oh, okay, great. Move on. Next, next, what, what other kid can we talk about now? Right. Um, Let's talk about that serial killer. Yeah. (laughs) That resurrector man. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to, we're going to make a podcast out of that, you know? So I, I just interviewed um, Sujata Day. Do you know her? I know of her. Yeah. I'm familiar with her. Yeah. Yeah. So she just did definition please on, on Netflix. And I was telling her what I'm about to tell you. I, I love, I feel like you're right. The namesake was kind of those, one of the first movies to tell that story of Indian Americans, but I love what you guys are doing. When I watched definition, please, when I read, um, tell me how to be, it's like what we're really going through, right? It's not the Indians coming in, immigrating here, and then like kind of the arranged marriage stories or whatever seems culturally exciting or whatever it is. It's our day-to-day and the stuff that we're going through. Um, and like real stereotypes, like the model minority myth, you know, and, and sexuality and just all of it. So I feel like you wrapped up so many of the big bucket stereotypes, not wrapped up, but talked about it, right? And and let the questions come out, which I loved about this book. Um, and then the one, the other thing that I loved about it was the helicopter parents. <laughs> like, that's true. We have, we do have that and there's pros and cons to it, you know? Um, and I do think a lot of South Asians, I'm becoming one myself, um, but I think a lot of South Asians are like that naturally. I think it just can't, right? Don't you think? Yeah, we're very like we're very family oriented. I think we're very like worrisome people. We worry and stress, and like our parents are constantly like. I'm always. I was always telling my mom, me and my sister, but we're just like, just chill, just chill. She's like, what is this chill? I'm not gonna chill. Totally. (laughs) Seriously. And you know, I think we have this, but I think it has to do with like just the immigrant versus the first generation. I think we're just a little more comfortable here. Right. More relaxed here. Right. Because we are Americans you know and i think it must be so difficult to leave everything and everyone you know behind and go to this place that even my mom had never even visited america before she moved here you know and then to raise a family you don't want to make any mistakes and i remember my mom saying that because i think i was i was having a discussion with my mom about like indians and how my parents are the kind of people they have to pay every bill on time they have to do everything like and I'm like, I was in my 20s getting collection notices. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. And my mom was like, you know, because we can't mess up. Like, we don't, we can't mess up. I think we're our parents first. were just 
they had that they had to go over all those hurdles and also they just uh, essentially just came with more fear i think you know they had to like they were just more fearful of things and understandably right cuz i think you mentioned it before like they didn't have the option to fail they had no one they had no backing for it like we do because our parents you know and so like I feel, I honestly feel like our generation is the luckiest. Like our, like just, we really are. We are able to go to LA and, and try, you know, try it out in Hollywood, whatever it is. You know, I'm able to, I don't know, just so many different reasons why we have this amazing security. Um, but I will tell you though, Neil, as a mom, I'm still, I think the fear is just a natural thing for parents in general. Yeah. yeah. Even though I know my girls will have everything they want. It's just... It's crazy. I need a vacation. Um, <laughs> uh, and the other, the other, I mean, I, there's so many other um, themes I loved about this book, but the other one I really love because it's, I love this movie. Have you seen Sliding Doors? I don't think I It's kind of what could have happened if you made that one choice different, differently, you know, or like if that one thing changed, like was happened differently, how your life could have been different. Um, and I think we all have that. You know, so I feel like that book also has that theme as well, which is kind of, I just love approaching that subject because I feel like it's just so interesting, right? You just, it's a, it's, it's a balance of kind of fate and then your choice, I feel like, right? Uh, which is so fascinating because some people don't believe in fate. Some people don't believe in people, other people believe it's all just kind of written. Right. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? I, yeah, um, I definitely believe in fate. I believe in, maybe that's because I'm stopping. Yeah, like, I know. We, we're really into like astrology and like, I don't know. Do you guys have um, we, the Jun Moksher? Oh, hell yeah. So yeah, my Jun Moksher predicted a lot of the stuff that I'm doing. Like it, it said that I was going to do something really unique with my life. And my parents the whole time were like, what is this? What is this unique thing you're going to do? And then, <laughs> and then I'm declaring, like I'm saying I'm pre-dental. <laughs> it's unique. Um, it's very unique. It's not doctor yeah. guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, we have these books and they're frighteningly accurate. Like they predicted even bad stuff for people. Because there was one person who did a lot of the members of our family's gemachers and they've been like really accurate, accurate in both good and bad ways. It's scary, isn't it? It's scary, yeah. And it's it's written in Gujarati, so like I can't read it, but like I kinda wanna read it, but I can't kinda don't want to read it because it's like we'll die at forty five. Like no <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. That's, yeah, I don't wanna read I actually so I've done, you know, my parents have done mine. I refuse to do my kids. I, I just can't. I can't. Like, it gives me hives just thinking about it. So I actually do Vedic astrology. So my parents have their their dudes or whatever in, in India. I actually have this guy here. He's a white American guy, studied Vedic astrology in India for like I don't know, 30 years or something, a long time. And of course, he's based in Seattle. But I go to him every year on my birthday in April. We do a reading online. And I just he just gives me a yearly reading of like an overall picture, kind of a guidance. It's kind of like a mentor for me for the year. And he, because he is American, he kind of understands the language I need. But then he also uses kind of what me and you are used to in our culture, in our religion. Um, and he uses the Vedic astrology and, and all that stuff from India to kind of guide his his uh, sessions. Um, he's very cool. You should actually use him. Yeah, it's awesome. I and like, I use yeah. him every year and he's talked about my career and this happening and what's going to happen this year. And about, he told me about two kids. 
He told me I was going to marry Parth before we got married. He's like, this is the guy. I was like, are you sure? Are you sure I'm going to marry him? What's happening? Um, yeah. He told me all of that. Like the, the important things he was right spot on. Do you have to be with him to do it? Like, no, we do it on zoom. So you can either do it. I'll, I'll give you all the details and he's like booked up four months in advance, but I got oh, you. Wow. I got you. I'll get, I'll get okay, you cut yeah. in line. Um, no, you can do it on Zoom or you can actually write out all your questions and send it to him and then he records the answers and sends it back. I like doing it on Zoom so I can kind of guide it a little bit more and just in case I think of anything, but I've done both. It's just interesting. It's just yeah, like, it's my no, birthday I'm, gift. I'm fascinated by all this stuff. Yeah, it's my birthday gift to myself every year. Every year on my April 26th, I get the reading in the morning. And that's what I listen to it, like kind of the first thing. Very cool. Yeah, that's what I do. You should do it. It's cool. It's my, <laughs> it's my, it's my mentor. I need, I need actually need a therapist because I think everyone does, but that's my yeah, therapist I, for yeah. now. Everyone does. Also, congrats on Lily Singh picking your book. Thank you. That's she's kind of legit. She's <laughs> very yeah. That's very, amazing. Yeah. So congrats yeah, on that. Cool. Um, and everyone needs to get tell me how to be if I can read the book in a week everyone it's just a fun easy and important book i think for our generation um and it has good gujarati like sayings oh yeah you know i i didn't realize how bad my because i i had to have my mom come in and like help with the <laughs> i love spellings it. of things and certain words that weren't even words i'm like i thought that was a word she's like i've never heard that word <laughs> <I'm> like, oh. <laughs> i loved it i was like this is amazing um Okay, so super quick, kind of fast round. Um, any projects coming up that you can talk about? Um, yeah, so so I am developing Tell Me How to Be for TV. It's still, still very early, um, but um, I'm also working on a third book um, that I'm wrapping up. I'm kind of moving into a more genre-bending direction. I feel like Tell Me How to Be was the book that I had to write in terms like of just- throw it all up. Yeah, I did. I had all this stuff inside me and I had to do it. And now that I have done it, like, I feel like it's very freeing and I can kind of like do different things. I still always want to write South Asian characters, but in different ways. Okay. Future collabs. Who would you like to collab with? Any kind of like big names or like someone you would love to meet that you haven't yet? Um, wow. That's a good question. I haven't, I am actually fortunate to have met like a lot of cool people, um, South Asians. Like I met Mindy Kaling at a party um, and I, but I actually have never met Aziz Ansari and I really love his writing. Um, I loved Master of None. I thought it was really beautifully done. So I would love to like meet him or just work on something with him. That would be great. Work yeah. at, Throw it out there. Universe yeah. hears, right? I totally believe yeah. that. Um, and this is a deeper question. Uh, so dig in a little. At the end of your career, which is a very long time from now, uh, what would you like to be known for? Wow. Besides, <laughs> besides resurrecting your, your family members. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, your, and, your, and your ghetto Gujarati. Yeah. I would, I, yeah, I mean, just creating great work that entertains people. That's really what I want to do. I just, I love making people laugh and cry. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's really what I want to be known for, just just to have created some great work that people enjoyed. Um yeah. and yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and really quickly, I wanted to go back. I know you had mentioned that you don't want to stick with a South Asian genre. Um, does it ever annoy you when people call you the Indian American author? Or or yeah. are you proud of that? Okay. 
I'm, it's complicated. And I think just like all of our experiences in this country are complicated. So I like it. And then I don't like it because I like it because I'm proud of who I am. and I'm proud of being a South Asian. I'm proud of the work that we're all doing here. But I don't want it to define me and limit me in any way. And I think the problem is, and it's getting better, is that sometimes we feel like there's only room for one South Asian person to do a particular thing. Do you, you know? Oh my God, so, so much. I have so much to say on that. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is like, I mean, the, the way to get over that is for everyone to just collaborate and build our own table where we're not fighting for a seat at their table. We have our own table. And, and so the, in that sense, like, it's all about just redefining what it means to be South. What is a South Asian story? There's no one single story. There's so many different stories. And, and that's the thing is we can't let people say that this is the one story because then you're leaving out so many people. So love that. Did you yeah. see Lily Singh's Ted talk? I watched a clip of it. I want to see the whole thing, but I watched the opening and I just, the opening was amazing. So I know the whole thing. Watch great. it, watch okay. it. Because what you just said about the table, she actually go really goes into it and in such a, like an intelligent way that I, I literally watched it a few times so I can like express that <laughs> to people. Cause she just, she was able to put the right words together. Um, and it was really well done. And, and exactly what you said, like she got a seat at the table, but her seat was like, about to break kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so she goes into that and, and why that matters and stuff. Um, okay. Last question. What is your favorite Gujarati phrase? Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, there's so many. I, um, I have to say Jaja is like, <laughs> <I love it. laughs> it's just so universal. Yeah. Like you can use it for anything. Yeah, like, you know, because people always say things that are bullshit. So you're like, ja, ja, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, another one that's good? Yeah. Tarumatu or manumatu. Yes. Manumatu kaja. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. eating my head. Right. I was eating my mom's head all the time. So, like, literally, <laughs> that was, like, on in daily conversations. And so, yeah. you know what I want to do, Neil? I want to, like, do one episode with, like, two or three people, Indian Americans, that are pretty good at Gujarati and just like test them out on random Gujarati phases. That would be amazing. Because right? my Gujarati sucks. Mine's, like, mine is shaky too. I can understand it. I don't have a problem understanding it. I just, when I had to speak it, yeah. like when you, when you had to talk to your, like when I would have to talk to my ba, I would get so nervous because I didn't know how to like communicate. <laughs> You're like, Jai Shri Krishna. Jai Shri Krishna. Yeah, Jai Shri Krishna, and then like, Tamara Tabiat, Sari Chair, whatever. Like, I can't get the like Just throw up the Baba Yeah. Yeah. All they want to do is feed you, anyways. And so, yeah. Aw, Baz, you gotta love them. Oh, I love that guy. You guys, please check out his book, Tell Me How to Be. You can check out his website, neilnpatel.com. And he is on all socials, of course. For me, just sign up for my newsletter. That's all I'm asking. No big deal. Omitucker.substack.com. They're short, fun, easy reads about each episode and sprinkled in with a little bit of my stuff. Because, you know, I'm trying to get you guys to like me. This weekend, I'm headed to LA for Podcast Movement, which is the biggest podcast 
networking event conference thingy in the U.S., where I will be hosting the first ever South Asian podcast panel. Woo! I have a lot of cool peeps on stage with me. We're going to talk all about South Asians and podcasting. Come check it out. If you're in the LA area, DM me for more info. And I will, of course, be updating everyone about it through my social media crap. I think that's it. I got to figure out what to wear. Also, probably what to say on stage. Thank you guys for listening. This is Tuckered Out.